Hello, everybody, and welcome. Happy Friday. Um, hope everyone's well. I've managed to have a shave after my uh, injection yesterday. I'm feeling fantastic, and I'm just telling Jeremy, get the jab, you don't feel anything. Um, obviously, one has got special guests in the studio, which we're going to talk about, slightly different um, theme uh, or subject matter, should I say, for me, uh, which is great, sort of outside of trade uh, fairs and shows. As always, just want to thank some of my patrons, so SISO, Easy Fairs, Hive19, Smart Digital Tartars, and Hive. And incredibly exciting news for me that I launched my website yesterday, danassaw.com. So the narcissism is in full effect. My name's absolutely everywhere, which uh, which is fantastic. So um, without further ado, I'm going to introduce my very special guest today. Jeremy, ah. how are you? Jeremy King. Hey, Dan. Very good. Thank you. Very good. Pleased that you've survived the jab, which is uh, a good yeah. positive. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I'm a bit of a hypochondriac anyway, as my, my wife would tell me. But, um, you know, just get, I had a shave, rolled out of bed, all that sort of stuff. So we've got quite a few people watching on LinkedIn, so that's good. So don't worry about that little zero at the top. That's something else. <laughs> I can't see that. Um, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I've just had a look at LinkedIn. We are live. Fantastic. Um, okay, Jeremy, you are the CEO of the Festival of Media. Congratulations for that. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> We're going to talk about that, and we're going to talk about Game Face, which I've put in today. Um, and to start off with, what I like to sort of ask um, my guests, if you like, because this is also part educational, these programs, is sort of bring to life your background, your career, and, and sort of to present day, how you've got into doing what you're doing. Okay, gosh. Okay, it's, it's quite long, so I'll, I'll make it short. No, I've printed um, it off. From, I've printed it off. Right, have you? Gosh. <laughs> oh, I, I better make sure um, I haven't put any lies in there. I don't think I have. Um, <laughs> no, you start. I, I, okay, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll do the first bit very quickly. I yeah. did the usual kind of university, went travelling for a bit, came back, and became a trainee journalist back in gosh, nineteen ninety-seven and yeah. was working for regional newspapers, uh, Trinity, as they were at the time. And then about two years later, they merged into Trinity Mirror. And I started as a, a news reporter on the brilliant salary of, I think, £8,100 a year. Um, wow. It was, it was yeah, cheap labour <laughs> in those days. But it was, it, was, it was an amazing grounding, actually. And the reason I mention it is because it set me up in terms of skills for, for life, really. So, you know, you were having to do everything from court reporting to council meeting reporting to what they used to call death knocks, which is the death thing. Knocks. Yeah. So any anyone um, under the age of 30 that died in your particular patch that you were looking after, you had to go and knock on the door of said family when the obituary was faxed through to you in those old days before email. And you would knock on the door and ask if they'd like to do a tribute piece in the local newspaper. So you could imagine when you're turning up at someone's oh, wow. door and they've you know, lost yeah. a relative who's relatively young and you've got to say, oh, by the way, would you like to do this? So I'd, I'd been chased once with someone with a baseball bat and uh, another time was just abused for about 20 minutes because I got lost in their dead end close. So um, have, you seen, <laughs> um, have you seen After Life, Ricky Gervais's show? Yes, yes. So... <laughs> I mean, because you've got here, it was the East Grinstead News. And when I read that, I was like, I'm, I'm sure that's in Afterlife. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, so yeah, yeah, yeah. To, yeah. 
<laughs> absolutely and and trinity mirror kind of patch you in in different places so i was on the call yeah, of yeah. news and then the east Grinstead observer but it, it was amazing i learned so many great skills and yeah. i i kind of indulged my love of entertainment there actually and, and set up a kind of entertainment section and because you were neatly based between brighton and london it was kind of talking to nightclubs cinemas music reviews in between london and brighton so i had, yeah. had an amazing time doing that left that, went to um, the Evening Standard, well, to thisislondon.co.uk, which was the digital, yeah, the digital <laughs> portal, which, yeah. Um, which uh, yeah, which is the internet. And people were scared to the, to the point. And, and, and I suppose the, the great thing to say about this was we were doing some fantastic music reviews and film reviews. And I won't lie to say, you know, 10 o'clock on a Tuesday morning, I was underneath Warner Brothers um, cinema room, watching a movie, which was quite good, interviewing the stars afterwards. Yeah. And then you'd go back, write it up. About a year and a half into that job, I got called into the editor's office at the time. And uh, she said that the Evening Standard, that the guys on the print newspaper were getting very upset that we were doing movie reviews on a Monday. And mm that their reviews didn't come out to a Thursday and we were taking away readership. Not that print was beginning to decline or anything like that. So um, they said, we're going to cut your team in half. And what we're going to do is you're going to cut and paste the stories from the group of newspapers, the standard, the Metro and the mail, and you're just going to change the headlines. And I was like, well, that's not really journalism and not what I want to do. So, so I left there um, and went to Haymarket. Um, I wasn't too keen on going into B2B magazines, but they wanted to launch a magazine called RSVP magazine. And uh, a lot of people who may be watching this from my old event days will remember that. We launched this magazine called RSVP, which was all about making heroes out of the people behind the special events sector. So those who did film premiere parties, when you had those in the day, uh, music album parties, all the way out to kind of um, Deutsche Bank corporate events. So we, we, yeah. we launched this magazine, which is absolutely fantastic. And, and we, we had a print magazine, one of the many in Haymarket. And then about three years later, we decided to kind of move it back into event magazine and we relaunched event magazine and I took on event magazine and then media week. And that was when I kind of moved across as well as writing and reporting on the events industry. I was also doing the, the kind of UK ad industry as well, which became yeah. very exciting. Um, and then got to 2012 was determined to um, enjoy all the amazing events that were being put on across um, the Olympic year and all the great things that everyone in media was doing. Um, and then got poached to go over to um, be the comms director at the O2. I mean, oh, music, amazing. love sports. I thought it was a match made in in heaven. Yeah. <clears throat> and as as the editor of campaign at the time, Claire Bill said to me when I left, I'll never forget it. She said, oh, you're going to do a real job now after, uh, you know, 12 years in, uh, in journalism. <laughs> I said, yeah, actually I am. Uh, and it was brilliant. I got to work with a whole ho- host of brands, got to work with them on how they market themselves, what sort of experiential activities they did. And it was all about making the O2 a destination as opposed to just a gig venue. And, you know, we launched things like Brooklyn Bowl there. I was involved in the launch of the walk across up at the O2. We had uh, Gerard Leto and 30 Seconds to Mars perform on the top. The uh, His promoter came to us and asked, we want to do something different with fans. So we did a competition to see who was the biggest 30 seconds to Mars fans and, and the four biggest got to walk the rope with Gerard Leto, his brother and the rest of the band. Um, what I would say is he had absolutely <laughs> amazing hair. 
the shiniest hair I've ever seen. Um, but no, we, we did some amazing things, like, you know, everything from the basketball. And when, when I was first there and it's now open, the plans were in place for the big outlet shopping centre. Um, and it's, it's an incredible space. I, I, I then left because <clears throat> someone I knew said to me, look, um, Festival of Media, they want someone to come in and kind of change what they're doing and kind of bring them up into the 21st century. So I went in there as content director, but having some shares, which was amazing. and thought that was quite, quite a responsible thing to do. Uh, and then, yeah, 18 months later, they made me um, see, well, my, my partner now and investor in the business made me CEO, which is absolutely fantastic. And effectively what Festival Media does is bring together the global advertising and media industry effectively. Yeah. And that includes global brands, media agencies and media owners. So, you know, for those of you media owners, anyone from Facebook to The Guardian to The New York Times uh, into TikTok, Snap, Google, etc., And then um, ad tech companies. So we, we brought them together with a, a collection of conferences around the world and a collection of awards programs, which showcase the best in class across um, global media. Yeah. Um, and that's where we are. And and then the last thing at the end of last year, I launched a new company uh, with my partner in the esports sector. So connecting we're going to go global brands. We'll yeah, talk about that. So just uh, before we do, yes, awards, so we'll get on. So obviously, around Festival of Media, which we're going to in a bit more detail in a minute. Awards generally, right? So from my perspective. Uh, as a punter, you know, being invited to certain awards in different industries. Um, there are lots of awards around, obviously, some good, some not so good, some paid for to enter, some not. Um, well, how do you get them right? You know, when you set up an award, what's what's how do you how do you make sure that there's a benefit for the entry for the entrance and, you know, for the sponsors and stuff? Because there's yeah, loads absolutely. of awards all over the place, right? <laughs> No, you, you're, you're absolutely right. And it's a, it's a really interesting question because it does take time and it takes time to establish yourself. But the, the key is to get out in the industry with which you want to enter those awards and actually talk to those guys about it and get those guys to buy into it. So actually get them to help you shape what the categories look like, help to shape what it is that they would want to showcase if they could do. Uh, and then you build your program around that. So Festival of Media, the 15 years ago, the, the original awards program, Festival of Media Global, was set up by bringing together someone we both know, Stephen Allen, and yep. a bunch of other media agency CEOs. And they all happened to be at Cannes Lion Festival. And that was, back in the day, just pure creative um, awards. And they were like, well, actually, media is the biggest spend within advertising. And we don't have our own awards. We don't have our own conference. So these heads all kind of sat down with the original founder of, of Festival Media, Charlie Crow, and they created um, a set of categories that would work. And then off the back of that global one, we then developed it in Asia, MENA, LATAM and North America and still kept the global one. But it, you, you have to get the buy-in from the industry first. And if you don't get the buy-in, then you have to like you suggested, have something that they want. So if you look at it from our perspective, it's the media agencies predominantly enter our awards for their clients' work. But what it means for media agencies is, A, they get to showcase because our jury is made up of clients. Some of them are their clients. Some of them are their rivals' clients. So 
the majority of our jury is, is these is these global brands and obviously they have all the all the spend and they're top of the ecosystem when it comes to, to media and advertising and you get them in a room and if you're entering your work that you've done for potentially pepsico and you know someone from another fast moving consumer goods company is in the room they're looking at this and going oh my god what an amazing idea they make a note of that agency and go maybe we should move to that agency at some point so, so it actually does drive okay, so, business yeah so it's not just a vanity thing i mean i guess there's a little bit of that but and the fear of missing out that you know which you which you get over time um the reason why i ask is because you know when i'm, I'm more on social media these days than i ever have been and every day you sort of see you know um not even just awards you know oh, i've been nominated in the top 30 people with two legs uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and everyone's like well done well done and do people actually even bother looking at what what it is behind it so um i'm not saying obviously you guys but it just it's quite interesting for me to understand how you build that authority so i think obviously having a good panel and the judges sort of adds to the gravitas right yeah, and, and I think having having a really clear, transparent and thorough judging process. So yeah. uh, and I have to say, I, I took most of these skills from the, the brilliant model that Haymarket set up. And when I moved across the festival, we I took a lot of those learnings and added to what they already had, which was absolutely brilliant. But the key. So, for example, if you are uh, I don't know if you're Mediacom and you happen to be on the judging panel, you're not allowed to be involved in any of the discussions. You have to leave the room and any discussions of any of your clients' work or any of your work. So you, you have no say whatsoever in that particular sure. um, entry when you're judging that category. We also then set out our terms and conditions. So you, you earn points for the number of entries, the number that are shortlisted, the number of different clients. So at the end, you give away your free Grand Prix, which is always agency network of the year, agency and campaign of the year. And it's it's a very thorough process to the point that we know every yeah. media agency is scrupulously adding up the points. And if they think they are media agency of the year and they're not media agency of the year, you know, yeah. they come not and talk to us. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but but, uh, but the key is as well, you, you have this judging process, you have these judges, and then you know that it can help drive business. It helps amplify. But actually, what's what's really interesting is also internally, it is a great, particularly in these times, a great driver for internal motivation and culture. It yeah, really does help. Yeah. And, and You make, and, some, and, make a couple of points there that I didn't naturally resonate. So, yeah, internal. And also from a client perspective, it's not just about getting the award. As you said, people that are looking to maybe not make a change, but just freshen things up. It's an opportunity yeah. for them to see other agencies showcase their work. How do you, in terms of the award winners and nominees? Yes. And I get this, you know, in the exhibition industry as well. It seems to, and I'm not saying anything wrong with it, but in each category every year, it seems to be the same people. Because let's take venue of the year in the uk there's only so many venues for trade shows so yes. you've got xl olympic you know you've got the same people and everyone's like yeah I won this shit right but and you're thinking well who else is going to win um <laughs> so yes how do you keep, and again not being disparaging if i look through the website obviously you've got mindshare phd starcom me how do you keep how do you keep that fresh because i guess or can you have other smaller entries into the market you know how does it work yeah, two things. So you, a, you get independent agencies as well. So those that aren't part of the big kind of WPPs or the publicist groups or the Dentsu groups. But what is really what what is amazing about 
the advertising spaces, the campaigns only run for a certain amount. So every year it's a different campaign. So it's rather than the actual, although the agency takes the award with the client, it's all about the client's work. So yeah, what okay. you tend to see, so, you know, yesterday we did the, the APAC um, awards, so the Festival Media APAC awards. And what was really, really evident is number one, Asia has kind of knocked it out of the park over the last 12 months. I mean, I know they were ahead of the curve and they're used to dealing with uh, pandemics, but the work, there was three big things that came out of the work. One was that they had actually, you could see every campaign has finally understood how to utilize data, how to marry that properly with creativity. And the other thing, there's been lots of talk in, in the media world about how brands are desperate to give back and help communities and help yeah. the wider society. I would say 75% of those campaigns were all about giving back and having an impact on people's lives, on cultures. And it was, it was absolutely amazing. And I would say that this last year, it was definitely North America that was setting the standard in terms of the advertising work that was done. It's yeah. going to take a hell of a lot this year, I think, to beat what the APAC community has done over the last 12 months. Absolutely phenomenal, some of the stuff. So on that tip, um, obviously you've got a bunch of regional regional events. Um, so generally over the years, do you see massive, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, obviously you have brands, the same brands operating in, in different regions. Yep. So do you see um, a lot of points of differences between the, the locations, even if it's the same brand, in terms of how they communicate? What How does that work? Yeah, absolutely. There is loads of different cultural yeah. nuances. And, and and interestingly, we launched a new category, which was best execution of a local brand in a local community. And it was, re it was really interesting to see. So there was a whole bunch of Asian brands yesterday, and we'll run the same one in Latin America. Yeah. We'll run the same one in North America. Um, they're definitely cultural nuances. And most of the campaigns, if they are running in different regions, kind of pander to the different channels and the different outlooks so for example actually even asia asia is such a diverse country if you're in singapore your campaigns that are running in singapore are going to be very different to those that run potentially in vietnam or india you know where radio and out of home is still huge whereas australia new zealand and singapore digital is now huge so it's it's really interesting to see yeah. the different campaigns and I, and I think what is lovely is that the great thing about our awards, if you are a mindshare and you might enter 20 awards, you may only win one, depending on what the judges decide. And you could be an independent agency like we had yesterday who entered two and won one gold and one bronze because the judges were so impressed with their work in those categories. Do you say who that is? Are you allowed to say those? Yeah, yeah. There was um, a one, one agency um, called, well, actually, Swinbourne University was one in, uh, in Asia. Swinbourne and, University in Asia? Yeah, Sorry. yeah. Which is which is pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, no, I know. It's it's um it's quite and, and one of them was in um Myanmar. So um so 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 the the, the different countries and, and the work yeah. that's being yeah. produced. But you, you talk about the standards thing. There was there was one category yesterday, which is always fairly embarrassing when you're presenting and people have paid to enter, where the judges didn't deem that any of the work was good enough to win a bronze, gold, really? or silver. So you actually have a category with no trophies at all, which just lets you know the standard the judges the judges set. And there were other categories where there was no there weren't any bronzes, but there was a silver because they felt the work was better than a bronze and the rest of the work wasn't quite at a bronze, but these two campaigns were basically a silver and a gold. So having having those 
standards is kind of like a gift and a curse because obviously the people who entered and were shortlisted and didn't win a gold, silver, or bronze in that category were quite frustrated. But I suppose the key for us is we go back to everyone who was shortlisted and didn't win a trophy and tell them what the judges said about their campaign in the juries so they get a real understanding that's of what they good feedback as well. All right, so that's given me a really good insight, actually. So it's not just necessarily about the glitz and the glamour and the glory. That's what people like myself might see by attending an award ceremony. But actually, the other benefits of people entering now are, are pretty clear to see. So thank you for that. Um, yeah. last got, actually, Sorry, actually, one point, if that's all right. And, and, and yeah. this is this is this is going to come as, you know, maybe a bit different, but the, the ad industry, and, and we changed our model on awards last two years ago because the ad industry was bored of going to black tie events and sit down, having a comedian talk for 25 minutes, being sat at tables with people they might not necessarily like or want to be sat next to. And actually what they wanted to do was see who won the awards, absolutely, but they wanted to spend more time at the bar or connecting before and after. So we stripped out black tie sit down dinners and completely changed the model. And right. so, so people turned up and they immediately turned up and they could have as many drinks as they wanted. They could go to different food stations and pick up as much food. There were poser tables. We had a little room on the side, which we called the cinema room. And in there was popcorn, buckets of beer, wine, chilling. And you could watch the shortlisted case study videos. But you did that for about two and a half hours. And then we moved people into a cinema setting to announce the winners and we did that over a 45 50 minute period and That's then they good, went yeah. back to more drinks yeah because it can get a bit as you said the black tie thing now the cynics might suggest people do that because you can charge a thousand pound a table um yes. or more <laughs> so it's quite brave to change that up because you're in business and so you're going to have to you know convince them to spend maybe the same amount but in a different but get something different and it seems like you've come up with with a good how what was the feedback to that was that yeah no it went it went down it went down really well um and i have to be honest with you we yeah. we the, the the cost of doing that we we just wanted to wash its face because our revenue driver is entries so it's right, always okay. been entries um however we kind of lowered the price so you know we had price points that varied between 100 to 150 pounds per person but actually you're probably getting more food and booze than you would get for your yeah. you know two grand a table to be perfectly honest um, yeah. so, it's, so it's actually quite good but it also what it did do it set us up beautifully for the for last year and this year doing the uh, ceremonies in the virtual space because we had a model that wasn't <clears throat> necessarily you know the biggest mistake i've seen this year is award yeah, organizers talk to me about talk to me about virtual yeah. and how it's translated yeah sorry the biggest mistake i've seen this year and i know I, i've said it before is people having a live event and going right let's just take our live event and we can shove that into yeah. Streamyard. we can shove that into zoom we can shove it into hopin remo wherever they want to wherever they want to put it that's that's the first mistake the, the the key is to think you're creating a digital event and there are bits you can take across but what you have to do is think like a virtual event and think, well, actually, this is slightly different. I'm engaging with people. And um, <clears throat> it's been a really interesting curveball. We, we looked at hundreds of different platforms. We genuinely looked at yeah. different platforms about what we wanted to do with the awards. And then <clears throat> we now use, at the moment, we use Zoom webinars simply because we're able to do a whole bunch of interactive things. We do it live. We don't pre-record. So everything is, yeah. is live. We so go live. Yeah, exactly. And it's much only more because, fun, right? Only because I can't be bothered with the editing afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> there is that. I mean, we 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 go live, 
and we yeah. go to all of the winners. So, but we, we do it structurally, and actually, there's a role for everyone in the team to play. Sure. So, our designer will create uh, an amazing presentation where we'll put some of the shortlisted videos in. Um, I'll present it. I've got someone else who's running all of our social and engaging with people in the chat section. We've got someone else who's created a soundtrack. So, each of our winners, when I announce the winner, a soundtrack plays that relates to that campaign. So, for example, okay. Kiss the Bottle by Starcom won one of the campaigns. So the song that played for them was Prince Kiss. And while that's playing, someone else on my team is finding the person from that company who's in the audience and getting them to turn on their camera. The song finishes, then we go to them and we get them to cheer and shout and ask them a couple of questions and we, and we move on. Um, so we, the other we, benefit that other people have said to me that run awards, sorry to interrupt you, is... yeah. Let's say you only typically did an award in one region or even in one city. Clearly, you've got the international element potentially as well that can log in. I mean, oh. I know you do them in different places anyway, but it gives them access to other people. Oh, it's amazing. I mean, we've yeah. we've trebled the audience. And the, and the beauty of that is we can actually now, because normally we'd go to Singapore because it's the hub, right? Singapore yeah. or Hong Kong. But we had the teams in Australia, New Zealand, Vietnam, Malaysia, India, Pakistan. It was absolutely amazing yesterday. So I think on one, within three categories, I think we'd gone live to New Zealand where it was nine in the evening, back into yeah. India where it was one in the afternoon, into um, Indonesia a minute later. And then we actually went out to Japan. So it's at that, that yeah, interaction, yeah. if you run, my, my theory on all of this is if you run anything that has a more than just a regional feel to it but involves different countries i think virtual has really been a godsend actually in, yeah. in that sense like kind of engaging yeah. more people okay so um i want to move on and talk about your new business right game face which um i only re only dawned on me a few minutes before you came on because on <laughs> linkedin it's game face xyz right and um, I put that all over the brain. <laughs> I realised it's not called Game Face XYZ. You did that, I guess, to differentiate yourself from other people on the on LinkedIn. So I hurriedly was changing stuff around before you came on. <laughs> um, talk to me about. Um, we're going to talk about the business in a minute, but it's yes. in the esports industry, right? Yep. How do you define esports? Ah, good question. Yeah. No, no. And a lot of people talk about it and a lot of people lump yeah. gaming and esports together. Yeah. So yeah. esports is like your professional version of gaming. So they are people who are playing in organized tournaments who have the opportunity to compete around the world um, regionally or locally and compete against other great players. So esports is that kind of competitive gaming, if you like, whereas the gaming world is, you know, you or I could just pick up FIFA and play FIFA yeah. or we could you know, play Sonic the Hedgehog. That's just kind of casual, casual gaming. Should we do that? Yeah, absolutely. Let's try that now. I mean, I, I don't think I've played for about five years, but, you know, it might be okay. Because <laughs> no, when, when, you're right, when, when people say esports or gaming, sometimes it conjures up the image of uh you know one person with those sort of uh cockpit type chairs um in their bedroom sort of playing this that and the other but you know when i was doing some reading and i <laughs> one and a half billion pound globally all that sort of stuff so it's big business right now yeah it's it's, it's huge and you, and you may ask like this this gives you a perception of it so if you look at 
Um, gaming itself is worth $120 billion around the world. And esports is only at the moment $1 billion of that particular slice. So the esports world has a, a huge mountain to climb to catch up with gaming if it ever will. But the opportunity for it to grow is huge. Now, the key to esports is you've obviously got these organizations that are set up to make superstars basically out of the players that are in esports. And, and just to put things into perspective, there are a few players out there who, and I like to relate everything back to football. So I apologize if you're not into football, uh, Ronaldo, you know, Ronaldo, Messi, there are four or five players in the esports sector who have more followers and engagement on social media than both of those. That just kind of gives you the kind wow. of gravitas of, uh, of what there's 400. Can you give us a name? Yeah. There's a, a guy called, yeah, check out a guy called Ninja. He is, um, Ninja. yeah, Ninja. He is, he is huge. He is huge. Yeah, I mean, the esports. If you there was a there was a table last year, and it kind of the thing that's weird about esports is only a few of the games are sporting games. The rest of them are very different. That you know, the likes of Fortnite, League of Legends, Call of yeah. Duty, those kind of games. You know, even Minecraft has a has a league. You, um, I know, you my daughters are on that all the time. Yeah, it's great. It's great, isn't it? Mine is as well. And, and so, become, I hope they can become like Ninja, and, and yes. uh, you know, you you can make them a celebrity. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, but that's that's the scary thing. Some of these yeah. players in yeah, esports yeah, are earning, you know, a hundred k plus. You know, some of them earn four or five million pounds a year from endorsements oh, wow. and from and playing competitive gaming. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a really it's a really exciting industry, one that's that's growing. But with all kind of, you know, in, in certain regions, it's hugely mature, like the US and Asia, it's really grown. The UK, it's not quite as as big yet. In the Nordics, there's a huge scene and it's 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 growing bigger and bigger all the time. So it's a it's a really exciting space and one that brands are interested in because they have audiences captured. So, you know. A League of Legends global tournament was held at the NEC, and that relates to you know many of the events mm -hmm. people that might watch this. Yeah. They sold out the NEC with people who wanted to watch other people play games. Basically, is effectively what it what it is. But those mm -hmm. those audiences are a key to so many of the world's brands, and and you, you know you essentially get yeah, that's an event like uh, any other event, isn't it? Right? Um, yeah. Without and so what, what, what you're doing is then acting as a conduit between those events and the brands that I guess you already have relationships with through Festival of, Me Festival of Media? Yeah, and, and look, the, the concept of Game Face and, and two yeah. things really, we called it Game Face XYZ because there's a program on Channel 4 called Game, yeah. Fa Game Face, which is actually quite funny, um, yeah. but uh, we want to yeah. differentiate. But yes, um, the, the concept and the dream of Game Face came one of our Festival of Media events two years ago. I was asked by a uh, full brand, well, I can tell you, uh, Danone, Unilever, P&G and Adidas, um, could I get some content the year after on how they could use esports in their media and marketing campaigns? Right. So I was like, brilliant. So I, I went away and there's a fantastic guy who ran an ad tech business called Glenn Calvert. Uh, he ran a business called Affect TV who had just moved into consulting with Fnatic, which is one of the biggest esports teams in the world. And he, we started talking and he said, look, Esports at the moment, most of the organizations are ran by former players. So they don't necessarily know business. They yeah. definitely don't know media and marketing. And he said, you could come and do some stuff and actually help connect them because that's the next stage for that sector. And I suddenly got really excited about it. And, you know, over the years, I've been asked, you know, why don't you do media consulting? And my simple yeah. answer is always because there's about 
and hundred thousand <laughs> people like me trying to do the same thing yeah. to my own. Say that to me. In fact, my father's like, "What are you doing, some consulting?" <laughs> yeah, and you're kind of like, "I don't want to do it in my own industry. I want to do it to another industry." Yeah. And yeah. and and that was that was the premise. So I went away and I thought, "What can we? What are the what are the three things or the two things we could do that we can connect our brands to esports and esports to to brands?" And I went away and I thought, well, look, we do awards really well. We've got the, the most revered awards programs for the media world in, in, in the globe. So let's create, let's take those processes and create an esports. So, so we started doing all this research. We discovered that there was a set of awards called the Esports Awards, um, but they yeah. are more consumer-led. So they look at um, a reward in the players and the streamers. We decided that actually there's a whole industry behind this. So the, the guys that are organizing the tournaments, the, the yeah. actual social media event teams and apparel teams within the esports teams no one's giving them recognition they can't benchmark themselves against their competitors because they don't want to talk to each other but we can be neutral and actually showcase this so we so went away created these categories you know to the point where we can you know identify you know the venues so you know there's category there for best esports venue there's one for best esports city so the city that has reconfigured its infrastructure to enable it to have fast speeds to enable it to host esports tournaments to um rising star to inclusion and and it became very obvious to us a few things became very obvious was that esports teams and esports organizations don't necessarily know what they've got they're very much like media owners they're very much like small mbas right like the, the national basketball associations they've got influencers in terms of their players they've got influencers in terms of the people that follow the teams and the players they've got retail in apparel they've got an events team there but they're not sure how to package that and give that to coca-cola and say actually that's what resonates with coca-cola so our job is helping them decipher that helping the brands understand who they should team with. So we, we've got these awards. It's basically making heroes out of the esports sector. And then, okay, how do we showcase that to brands? Well, our jury has got global media directors from Virgin, P&G, Unilever, Adidas, um, Betway, to name but a few. And then we've got some other esports experts. But the other thing we've gone down, there are hundreds of female esports players who are not getting the recognition that they deserve and it's at the moment inclusion is not talked about as much as it should be so we've we've been on a mission for many years in festival to do that and i'm taking those learnings and putting them into to esports so we're kind of helping people understand the importance of inclusion and the importance of having an industry that represents society and not you know, middle-aged white men like us. That's very um, noble of you. That was your Martin <laughs> Luther King moment. I'll let you get away with that. Um, <laughs> thank you. Got you that thank down? you. Have you got that written down somewhere? Um, <laughs> I have now. <laughs> or, so the event or the awards are in um, July. Is that right? Uh, June. End of June. End of June. Right. End of June. So people yes. um, obviously apply. It's obviously going to be virtual. Yeah. And are you, is the is the view to do them? In, in different locations like you do with festival of media or what's the what's the dream with it yeah i mean we haven't even talked about that so you're absolutely correct that's right we are we're going to do exactly what we yeah. do to festival launch yeah. launch a global one and then the aim is to launch an asia one a north american sure. one a latin american and potentially uh, a nordics and, and and interestingly the second part of the business which we're working on and we hope to showcase yeah. to the world in september is benchmarking for the industry so at the moment there are gosh, 50, 60 different sources for data on esports. But what media agencies and what brands want is the opportunity to go, right, 
we know we want to know everything there is to know about this team from the amount of content they produce a month to the amount of people who work in their teams to what they're saying what the players and the teams are saying in the social media space so we're working on a dashboard which will bring all of that together and will allow any brand or any agency to go in there and understand and discover what esports organization matches their their values if you like and, and what they're yeah. about and we've got two amazing young I, and I, uh, you know at 45 i think you can call 21 year olds boys can't you You've got two amazing boys who are data scientists yeah. who are helping us achieve this and who are we were having this fantastic. conversation yeah if, if, I, if yeah. I was gonna have the time again in fact i said to my eldest daughter who's 12 well, she's not 12 she's 13 she's had a birthday um <laughs> Happy birthday. I, think should, I think you should be a data scientist that she just walks yes. off but that is data in all of this in all seriousness is really key and data visualization tools um and we've seen this as in the explosion of sports right with data i think it went all the way back to germany winning the 2006 world cup when they used one of the uh, business analytic companies to um help them prepare in terms of data on um on uh, other teams and stuff like that so yes really important i think like all how brands are sort of accessing data on audience and stuff like that um so you also offer advisory uh services as well and obviously benchmarks so it's not just the just the awards is that right yeah absolutely so we've got awards the benchmark so actually you know your question which relates back to it about the awards as well and how do you make them more valuable the bit where we, the question. I, i'm sweating yeah it's fine it's fine it's fine no worries <clears throat> we talked about you know how we give feedback to those shortlisted yeah, that yes. don't win one of the things i've always wanted to do um and you know i even wanted to do this at haymarket many years ago but um it was a bit of a mission was extrapolate the key data from the award entries and create benchmarks right. so you've got some proprietary data so that's that's what we're doing um for the, for the benchmarking and i'm also setting up a, a co-op between esports organizations to enable us to utilize their data and actually tell them you're not just giving us your data for us to do something with we're actually going to use that and give it to brands so setting you up with potential partnerships and then that drives our advisory so if a esports organization comes to us and says right we should be teaming up with bmw i can say well actually bmw aren't looking at what you're offering however Toyota is definitely in your wheelhouse and that should be someone you should be partnering with and then we will connect them up um, hopefully in the real world although we've been doing it with festival in the virtual world we'll be able yeah. to host some you know some round, round tables in the real world and bring a few people together and, and actually make that yeah. connection part but the awards is our like Trojan horse then it's the benchmarking then it's an advisory and yeah. that's that's where we kind of intends to to go it, look, it's, it's an exciting industry and, and it's only yeah. growing and growing the pandemic you know unless you're a, a supermarket a cycle store or a sports apparel store esports yeah. is the is the other sector that's really accelerated during the, during the pandemic and and that's been helped by all of the sports stars who were fairly bored and had nothing else to do and wanted to be yeah. competitive who went into gaming right and and esports yeah. <laughs> oh, same with netflix and all of those on-demand services as well so um Okay, so we've got a few minutes. Few minutes left. Um, just want to talk about some general bits and pieces. Yes. Um, firstly, let's get a more serious one. Obviously, the last <laughs> twelve months as a business owner, um, obviously you've been doing some some good stuff, some new stuff. Um, what have you sort of discovered and found out about yourself that you you didn't know about yourself during the last twelve months? 
<laughs> Crikey, that is a good question. What have I learned? <laughs> I, I have learned that uh, no matter how big or small your business as a CEO, you genuinely need to be involved in every single asset or rather than interfering, you need to be able to do every single job because you're, yeah. you know, you've got to be careful where you spend and what you spend. So you need to learn as much as you possibly can. I mean, I, I've learned an awful lot. I've learned how to not be David Brent when I'm trying to motivate my teams and bring them together in the virtual space. I think that's the hardest thing. It took me about eight months. But I, You I want to be more Finchy, more Finchy yeah. than Brent. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're trying to, but it's really hard. So, you know, trying, trying to keep your staff motivated. I, I, I think what's really interesting, I've bizarrely in the virtual space, you 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 get more of a flavour of, of people. Um, so, yes, kind of realising that um, I'm 20 years older than a couple of the people in my company, which is quite bizarre. But uh, And also riding out a storm, right? You know, yeah. how you how you cope when... You know, and I'm not going to lie to you. First of all, you know, and I hope I openly admit it. You know, we we were kind of 30, 35 percent down on, on revenue year on year. It was it was a tough, tough old year. And for a small yeah. business, that's that's hard. But, you you know, you come up and I love being creative. So coming up with creative ways and, you know, working hard. I mean, the only thing I would say about working from home is that you you probably work twice as hard because you often skip lunch because you know where you're going to go um <laughs> and and you and you just keep going and it's it's you know sometimes yeah, you've got to stop and and take stock of it <laughs> thank you um what event are you most looking forward to attending sort of uh, a, a personal one you can't say west ham because okay <laughs> who wants to go who wants to watch them we won't believe you actually you're doing all right, you're doing all right. Yeah, we're, we're we're having a good season. Although I'm scared when the fans go back, we not, might not be so good. So um, actually, actually, that's an interesting point. But because I think it has, and I we're going off on a tangent, but about events generally, it's definitely having no fans in the stadium has definitely benefited some teams and obviously not benefited others. Yeah, um, I mean Liverpool, yeah. the classic example, right, where it's been detrimental. Yeah. Um, they've they've lost games where the crowd would have got them over yeah. in normal circumstances. Yeah. Uh, so what are you most looking forward to attending apart from West Ham? Okay, uh, my, I'm actually my fingers are crossed. Um, my holiday in Spain at the end of August. To be honest, I'm having missed out last year, and um, that, that's 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 what I'm looking forward to more than more than anything else as an event to to go away. <clears throat> if yeah. you want, I love a, the fact that you, you describe your holiday as an event. <laughs> <clears throat> oh, I don't know what just, happened. <laughs> well you know it's, it's, it's good fun that is good fun. Yeah. we have a lot of friends who go to a similar place so it's like it's almost like yeah. home from home but with the sun <laughs> yeah nice and professionally obviously your own events but do you like any yeah other I mean I'm, I'm a huge fan of of can lion and um yeah. doing that in a live space oh I'm losing my voice one second sorry right. you're almost finished <laughs> <clears throat> no that's better um, can lion, yeah. can lion, definitely. I, I love, I love can lion. It, I, it's clearly not going to be on this year in the live space, sure. but next year, I enjoy going to that. Um, it, it's great from a networking perspective, and it's great. But who knows how that will will look in twenty twenty two? We just don't know, sure. do we? And um, this is the question you've been looking forward to: your desert island question. So, if you um, God forbid, or washed up on a, a desert island somewhere, um, what two people? professionally or from you know work life because everyone says their wife and kids because they have to um who would you <laughs> take and why god i i, I wasn't going to say them i was always going professional um 
this is the toughest question I've ever faced. And the, the first person, I did tell her to tune in, but I didn't tell her why. So hopefully yeah. she's here, is a lady called Beth Gordon, who was one of the founders when, when Spot, one of the first people in Spotify when it launched in the UK. Uh, the reason is we've always had such brilliant fun when we go out. She also loves music. And she took me to a Maida Vale Six Music Blur gig when they came back. And me and her are both like two screaming banshees at the front. Even nice foot four and I hate standing at the front. She made me stand at the front. Literally, Damon is singing to us if you watch the uh, the highlights on the on BBC iPlayer. But um, that was absolutely incredible. So that's that's what I visit. And afterwards, I was too shy to ask Damon for a picture, but she did it for me. So there's there's me and Damon with a picture. So it was, that she's she's amazing, and she she's taken me yeah. to some of the best. Um, events ever from kind of the Q Music Awards to that gig. Yeah. Um, we've had a brilliant time. So she's now, uh, I believe now at the Evening Standard, but she was at Twitter um, after Spotify and she's, she's fantastic and great fun. And her husband is Matt Everett. So if you ever listen to Six Music, he's on Sean Keevney's show and he introduced, he does um, really amazing interviews with bands and the musicians. Really good so guy. Sorry, are you taking her and her husband or just her? No, just her, just Beth, just Beth. <laughs> Anyone else? Yeah, yeah. The other one is um, a lady called um, Stephanie Briacum, who works at VCCP, uh, the agency that does all of the stuff for O2, the phone brand, EasyJet and Forest Green Rovers, which I might talk about. The reason for that is she is absolutely one of the nicest people I've ever met. But she's also a force to be reckoned with. And it's amazing. She runs this amazing creative agency and they're owned by private equity and you know, when she has to go and see the private equity guys, they're very traditional in shirts and ties. She has sure. to turn up in, uh, you know, similar attire. And she's just such a, a strong, strong lady who's who's just brilliant fun to be with. And she's also my, um, I better be careful what I say here. She's my my can wife, nothing in a, in a bad way, but we tend to go to the same events together and have, yeah. um, you know, some downtime and lots of fun. Um, so yes, they're my, they're my nice. two people, Stephanie and Beth. Um, two ladies, two ladies. I'll two ladies. Read into that what you will, people. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and where are West Ham going to finish? Um, I'll be delighted if we finish uh, six, but um, <laughs> my heart says we might be lucky and finish fourth. No chance. <laughs> um, Jeremy King of um, Festival of Media and Game Face. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for uh, staying with me um whilst i recover from the effects of the jab have i mentioned that probably a hundred times <laughs> <laughs> um no it's been really good we do wish you all the very best i look forward to uh, being invited to uh, an award ceremony somewhere um and you know i, I think you've definitely hit the nail on the head with with esports and the fact that you know it's it's going to rise and rise so we wish you lots of success in that area so thank you so much for joining us today no problem. It's been an absolute pleasure. And sorry if uh, we've gone on a bit. I could go on for longer, but, you know, we don't want to bore well, people on a Friday. to be honest, I've got other <laughs> stuff to do, but thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Pop me in the green room. I'll have a chat with you after. Thank you so much, Jeremy. One sec. Okay, so um, thanks very much to my special guest today, uh, Jeremy King of uh, Festival of Media and Game Face. Uh, hope everyone has a wonderful weekend. Do check out my website, danassaw.com, for... All of my videos and now all of my audio as well, which uh, I've painstakingly translated to Spotify. So um, please do uh, have a listen to that. So thank you so much. 
And I will see you uh, next Wednesday at five o'clock. I'm hosting a panel discussion on sustainability. So it doesn't, doesn't get more exciting than that. So definitely tune in for that one, guys. Thank you so much.